is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry. I'm joined by former NHL player Mike Brown, who was a right wing in the NHL from 2007 to 2016. He played in 407 NHL games, scoring 19 goals and 17 assists, while also accruing 778 penalty minutes during the regular season. Mike played for the Vancouver Canucks, Anaheim Ducks, Toronto Maple Leafs, Edmonton Oilers, San Jose Sharks, and Montreal Canadiens. Today, he resides in the Chicagoland area and owns and operates Michael S. Brown Performance, which offers high-end sports training. Mike, thanks for speaking with me today. Yeah, no problems. It's good to be here. So what's, uh, what's your earliest hockey memory? I guess my earliest hockey memory would be, uh, would be my first first on ice memory uh, altogether i started out um, started out rollerblading and uh, i was pretty good at rollerblading but my brother brought home a flyer that said to learn how to learn how to skate on the ice so my uh, my mom took us over to the uh, skokie stadium and uh, me and my brother we both put on ice skates and pretty much flew from one end to the other and uh, smashed the boards got back up in the uh, and steve glickman the program director there said to uh, put him in a program teach them how to stop and uh and we'll be good hockey players so i think for me it was just the first moment on the ice which was which was a pretty funny one for us how old were you at the time i think i was seven okay yeah and i i know mr glickman i've also done some hockey uh lessons adult hockey lessons at uh the stadium uh, mr glickman has brought you up before and i don't know if you knew uh coach lou heller but he also mentioned you during one of uh the adult classes probably brought you up a few times. Uh, you know, oh yeah, he played. He got his start playing in Skokie. They're they're so yeah. proud of of the fact that you were with the Skadium for a little while. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They did a little bit, and they uh, they raised a banner there a couple of years ago. So it has uh, the, the big uh, orange banner in the corner of the rink now. So everybody that goes there to uh, to coach in our organization or anybody that knows me, they go there and take a picture with the banner and send it over to me. So it's pretty funny now. That's got to be pretty cool. So uh, you you went through the Skokie Flyers youth program. Yeah, I started out in their. Uh, so that's that's right at the time when I went into their uh, their Might House program. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for a few a uh, few years, and then uh, I think when my family moved to Northbrook, we tried out the Northbrook program. It didn't really work out so well, and went to another program. And uh, just before that, going to into AAA for playing for the Chicago Young Americans, and I think mm-hmm. that was. Uh, second Pee year. Now, at the time, was uh, CYA playing at Heartland, or were they playing uh, elsewhere? They were playing at Heartland. Oh, okay. Those of you from uh, not from Chicago, CYA stands for Chicago Young Americans. Uh, it's basically the elite high school age Chicago area hockey players. A lot of them end up on the uh, U.S. national team development program. Uh, so what was that experience like? Then all of a sudden now you're tagged like, hey, you're you're a pretty good player. And now you're 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 playing with this elite group and you had some pretty, uh, pretty elite teammates. Are you talking about the U.S. Uh, national team? Yes, but uh, yeah. actually, I guess also CYA was uh, I mean, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, so we start actually that the AAA hockey starts uh, starts as young as you want. They go all the way, I think, till the squirt program. Um, I started off a little bit later. I think it was Pee Wee's or the first year at Bantam. And uh, it was interesting for me because it was the first step of, uh, you know, for, yeah, for um, for better hockey. And uh, and I did make the team uh, pretty, uh, it was last on the team. You know, I had to go through a big, um, you know, a race and, a, and this kind of course, the competition to get on the team last. 
but I ended up making it and, uh, you know, kind of showed a lot of dedication to stick with it and, uh, and went through, but we had, uh, we had pretty good teams, uh, when I was growing up, we ended up winning nationals, my Bantam major year. So my second year Bantam and, uh, you know, with that said, it was, there were good players, so it was tough to find a spot on a good team, but I kept uh, finding my way to get in there and, when it uh, when it happened towards my uh, my first year of midgets, I would have played for uh, should have been a midget minor, but I skipped my midget minor year and played midget major for the uh, Chicago Chill, and that's when I got uh, looked at. And I got scouted by the U.S. national team, a development program, and they and they found me a home in Ann Arbor to play for their team the following year. Do you remember some of your teammates on the uh, national uh, development team? I mean, yeah, I remember all of them. There's I mean, a handful of them that there's a handful of them that succeeded, and some of them didn't really go past that. I think we all I think we all got a, uh, a college scholarship though. Who are some of the the players that listeners would probably know? Ryan Suter. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, goalie Al Montoya. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Dowell. Oh yeah. Who else would have been there? T.J. Hensick. Were you a Blackhawk fan growing up? Oh, of course, yeah. Growing up in Chicago, I was a uh, I was a huge Blackhawk fan. Who are like some of your favorite players in, in your during your childhood or young adult years? I like watching uh, Jeremy Roenick, Chris Chelios, uh, Steve Larmer, Dennis Savard, there's uh, Steve Smith. That era was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, the night nineteen nineties. Yeah. Is it true that Roenick gave you a call before your first game? Yeah, so I knew uh, I was fortunate enough to know uh, to know most of the uh, Blackhawks with my dad. Uh, owning a Harley dealership. So with those guys buying bikes, I was around these players quite a bit. So on a personal level, yeah, they, um, you know, they gave me some good luck and congratulations at the same time. And, uh, you know, gave me some advice along the way. That's awesome. One other question I have about your youth hockey before we talk more about your pro career is that you were in the 1999 Quebec International Pee Wee Tournament. What is that experience like? Yeah, I mean that's pretty cool. We were we're so young that we don't really realize what was what was actually going on. But it's a it's a pretty cool tournament. It's it's pretty cool. You you win your state. Um, you know the best team in your state. They wear the uh, they wear the jersey for that NHL team, and and you go and play a high end tournament. But you know we're I think we're 13 years old, 12, 13 years old at the time, and uh, and you're going to put basically a Blackhawks jersey on and play against all the other NHL teams that are, you know, the best players from the other states but you know it was a fun it was a fun experience for sure five years later then you were playing in the world junior championships for team usa yeah coming out of uh, i was playing at the university of michigan at the time and uh yeah i was fortunate i got selected to play for the world junior tournament in north dakota and that was a uh, that was a pretty fun time because the uh, the u.s team had won it the year before our stadium we played at was uh you know at university of north dakota there where there was brand new ralph Engelstad arena and the the winning team from the year before gets the home locker room, so we were uh, you know we were pampered pretty good. We didn't do so well in the tournament, but it was a good experience for me. Now you got a goal though against Belarus in one of the games. Yes, I do. So what? <laughs> so what? what do you, tell us about that goal. I remember it very clearly. I was uh, I was actually skating down the right wing, and um, I just went to go shoot it. And I don't think the goalie uh, even knew that the shot was coming off because it went far side on the ice and uh he didn't even move so it was called a lucky goal or what whatnot but i was pretty pumped it just kind of snuck in right on the far side on the on the ice so that was yeah. pretty much it 
you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? Exactly. I think I even whiffed on it too. That's why it was. Uh, that's why it was confusing. <laughs> so the goalie thought it was maybe going elsewhere. Yeah, that's or uh... not even coming off my stick. <laughs> so then you played. Uh, I know, and this was around the time you were playing for the University of uh, Michigan, and you played under the legendary coach Gordon Red Berenson. So what is he like? No, uh, he was great. He's a good guy. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that doesn't yell. Uh, he gets his point across just by looking at you and, uh, you know, just, you, you know what he's thinking even without him saying it. So it taught me a lot, you know, and going back to college was great because I was in the U S uh, the U S program where we were learning how to fight and box and protect ourselves and play a hard nosed game. And then I went to uh, college where there's no fighting allowed. So it kind of let me hone in on some skills and, and play the game a little bit more, think the game uh, before entering a professional career. You and your teammates, just as college hockey players, are you more in awe of the guy because he was in the NHL for like 12, 15 years? Or are you more in awe of the guy because he was a coach for so long? I, I, to be honest, I think it's a mixture of both. I think his experience as a player and as a coach does wonders for that. You know, it speaks for itself. So when you look at a guy like that, it's like you, you can't tell him he's wrong. You listen and take in whatever he has to say. When you were playing junior hockey, were you more of a, a the type of guy willing to drop the gloves in junior hockey, or was that something that came later, like when you became an NHLer or AHLer? No, that started uh, that started the U.S. program. Um, <laughs> you know, they they because uh, we were put into a situation where we're sixteen, you know, fifteen or sixteen year olds, and we're playing against guys that are up to nineteen years old. Mm-hmm. So when there's fighting allowed you know, these older kids are going to come up and, you know, look at us like, you know, who do you think you are? And they, uh, they brought in a boxing coach for us. And I, I excelled with the boxing program. Mm -hmm. I liked it a lot. So I, um, you know, with the, with the style of play I was playing, Mm -hmm. uh, running around and hitting hard and and playing aggressive, it was the fights were coming to me pretty much. And, uh, you know, you had to defend yourself. So it's either defend yourself or not. And, you know, I, I wanted to, so that just that kind of came in at that early moment. Gotcha. So when you played college, uh, why did you decide to leave after two seasons instead of finishing out the the four years with University of M- Michigan? Well, I felt like when the opportunity was there to take it, mm-hmm. you know, I don't I don't see why not. If I was uh, if I was offered a contract by an NHL team, by an NHL club, to go and and pursue my dream as playing in the NHL, and if I the, the opportunity came knocking on my door, why am I going to say no? Right. Why wait? Just go for you it. Know, I, I've seen guys, uh, you know, they wait and they want to finish out their their scholarship. But then, you know, at that point, two or three years later, uh, that organization who drafted you might not have that same opportunity, that same slot open. And that might have been taken with the last couple of years. And then you get him, that guy turns into a veteran and then now you're you're stuck with nothing. So then you uh, were drafted by the Canucks and made your NHL debut at the end of 2007. What do you remember about your first game with the Canucks, your first NHL game? Well, I remember getting called up because there was a uh, there was an issue um, where uh, where some where one of the Canucks slashed uh, someone on Minnesota, and uh, they didn't really have much toughness on Vancouver at the time, so they called me up just as like added protection, something you know being coming into this this game that, that they were going back into Minnesota predicting like a, a rough game. Mm-hmm. So I got fortunate that that happened. And uh, I just remember going in. Um, I remember it was actually funny at the time because uh, they had Derek Bugard 
and uh, and I was coming up and I was thinking this is crazy. You know, I don't want to I don't want to face off against this guy. And before I can before anything can even happen, I remember the coaching staff pulling me aside and, and telling me that I'm not here for Bugard. You know, I'm just just play my game and you know relax and just play play aggressive and be there just for support. And I actually ended up fight, fighting uh, Aaron Boros on that team. And uh, man, it was a it was definitely a pretty cool moment playing the first game, first fight, first game. It was pretty wild. How'd you do in that fight? Uh, I was th- throwing a little wild. I mean, this is the beginning of my professional fighting. That was my first NHL fight, so I'm like, you know, a little nervous at the time. But no, nah, we, we exchanged some some punches, and then I I think I picked him up and body slammed him down. But it was uh, it was definitely fun, you know. I, I, <laughs> adrenaline's running. <laughs> you went WWE on him. Yeah, I, I, I did. You also got your first goal that season. Uh, what do you remember about your first NHL goal? Well, it's interesting because my first goal actually uh, came two games later. So it was my third NHL game, and it was right back in Minnesota. So I had my first fight in Minnesota, and then I had my first goal in Minnesota again, which was my third game. And that was a—I uh, mean—that was another really cool moment in my career. And that was just a, uh, I think it was a pass across, and Lucas Krychek shot it from the point. I was in front, tipped it, and it, uh, I think it just went five-hole. It was a tip-in goal. I remember being pretty excited about that. Do you remember what goalie you beat? Uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Nice. You played for quite a few teams, uh, like five or six, let's see, Canucks, Ducks, Leafs, Oilers, Sharks, Habs, so six teams. So which of those, because I know you were with, except for the Canadians, you were with them for one season, but most of these teams, you were with them for like two or three seasons. Which one maybe stands out to you as, as your favorite? I mean, I know they were all special in different ways, but maybe which is the one where you look at where you say this was really the pinnacle of my career or like the best years or maybe just my favorite years for whatever reason? Yeah. I think you said it best as they're all different in their own ways, but I could say something about each each organization stemming from the first organization, Vancouver, they're, them giving me, a, giving me a chance, giving me a contract, letting me in, you know, giving me whatever it is, having the faith in me and, and calling me up and letting me play and, you know, all the above. So that was just the start of my career. And then going into Anaheim, I'm, I'm playing a little bit more. I'm established a little bit more as a veteran player. I get my first one-way contract for two years. You know, I start establishing that, that NHL player type vibe. And then, um, you know, after that, it's just each organization was different in its own way. And, you know, Toronto was was getting into Canada, back into Canada, and the fans, you know, liking my mustache and the way, and the way I play and just adding a little bit to my repertoire. And, um, you know, I think the Canadians liked my game a lot more than the Americans did. Mm-hmm. And that's why, uh, you know, I ended up playing for four Canadian teams and two California teams. But, you know, San Jose was nice. And, you, you know, the, the guys on the team were, uh, there's cool players on the team, you know. And I was fortunate to play with some pretty cool Hall of Famer guys, Niedermeyer and Pronger, Solani, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, all of Marcus Nasland, Trevor Linden, Joel Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, you know, all those names are all that I can look back and say I was, I was part of those organizations and part of those teams. You mentioned mustaches and you had some pretty interesting mustaches. I was going through your, uh, your player headshots and the one when you were with Edmonton was, uh, was kind of unique. What was up with that? It kind of had like, if I remember correctly, cool. kind of had like right angles. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I always played around with it. It was it was funny. I mean, I've always liked facial hair. Um, I've always you know had a, a little bit of facial hair in my beard. But you know, after playing with the guy George Peros and just talking with him, it's like 
I remember Wendell Clark said it the best in, in Toronto. He, I saw him after a game one time, and he's like, you know what? This is the only way for a hockey player to to reach the fans or do anything because you got full equipment on, you got helmet, you have everything covering your body except for your face. So uh, for me, it, I, I actually just came in. I, I cut my hair. I shaved in a mustache after growing a beard for a little bit in the summer. And I was like, you know what? I, I actually don't mind this. And I, I remember going into Toronto and they just made a big deal about it. And once that happened, I was, uh, I, I was really not able to shave it off. So mm-hmm. I just ended up keeping it for a while and, uh, and I got used to it. But then going into uh, Edmonton, I just, I don't know, I changed it up. Like uh, like I said before, I like changing things up, so it just made it interesting. And I just turned it into a curled up mustache instead of a, uh, a Fu Manchu. Is it true that tough guys will sometimes grow facial hair to look more intimidating, or is that just a rumor? Oh, I'm sure some people think that way. Um, you know, I never really looked at it that way. I just... I just liked it. it was, like I said, it was a way to reach out to the fans and people, uh, you know, it gave them some, it, it were entertainers. If you think about it, we're entertainment. We're getting paid for, uh, to be an entertainer and people are coming to watch us to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So if it's something that's going to be either funny or something them to look at, you know, then, then so be it. You were willing to fight before you went to college hockey and then you had a pretty easy transition back to being able to drop the gloves. One thing I always found interesting though, is how many guys, like you mentioned Peros earlier and another guy that stands out to me, Sean Cronin, UIC had a, a hockey team here and a guy named Sean Cronin who played for the Winnipeg Jets. He was really good NCAA or CCHA player. And then he ended up being a, a tough guy for the Jets. And I always find it interesting how some guys can just make that transition from college hockey where you don't fight to like NHL enforcer where you do fight. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, players like us, I think you find a way to make anything work. You know, and if that's what if that's what the role be and that's what they need, then that's what I'm going to do. And I was the type of player to do whatever my coach wanted to do to get to the next level. And once I got to the highest level, do whatever was necessary to stay there. So, you know, and different coaches have different models and different playing styles. And every year I, I felt that communication was a big key to success. So I would ask my coach what they wanted. Do you want me to play more? Do you want me to play more of a rat role? Do you want me to fight more? You, I mean... If we, if we had a team that didn't have a lot of toughness, then they were probably going to be knocking on my door mm-hmm. to be adding that toughness. And if we had a team with a lot of toughness, then maybe they wanted me to play a little bit more. So the players, I think, that were able to adapt are the ones that had the most success. And then according to HockeyFights.com, you got into 95 fights in the regular season during your NHL career, uh, another 13 preseason fights. Does it maybe one or two of the fights stand out two years later as being particularly memorable? No, I, I remember all of them. Nothing in particular. I think, um, you know, I hear from a lot of people. I coach now, too. So all my all the kids and parents, they always laugh and joke. When I, when I got a new team, they, they pretty much look at my YouTube fights before they even know who I am. So I think for me, it's like the ones that have the most views on YouTube are the most interesting ones, you know. And it would make sense that that's the ones that people are watching, which were the most mm-hmm. exciting ones. So, you know, every fight for me was a was a fight. So it didn't really matter how it went. Do you uh, remember who you got into the most fights with during your career? I, I have the answer right here. I'm just curious if you remember. I, I'm going to guess Kanopka. Yeah, you're right. And it's six fights. Why did you and uh, Kanopka fight so much? I don't know. I think it just happened like that. But we, we also played for the same conference teams. Mm-hmm. Or the same division team. So when we were when we were traded and moving around, we were we were in the same division most of the time. And when you have a player similar to your playing style, you know you're probably going to end up having a bout together. 
And if we're going to play that many games in a regular season, you're going to be seeing each other a lot more. I want to change the subject. I know that some hockey players when they were growing up were into trading cards and other hockey players when growing up, they were into the NHL hockey games. I'm wondering if you were as a kid, were you into the trading cards at all or were you into the NHL video game uh, at all or both? Yeah, I was I was involved in both. I remember we had a um, I had a big drawer full of uh, trading cards. We had a ton of cards growing up, and also video games. I mean, just remember throwing controllers back and forth between me and my brother, and smacking us upside the head with who's winning and losing and cheating and all the above. Do you have maybe a favorite card when you were a kid, like your a card of your favorite player or something that stands out to you? No, I mean, we just always collected. We always wanted to find the Blackhawks cards and all the all the ones that we knew stood out to us because we knew them and it was cool collecting their cards. What was it like seeing yourself on a card years later? It was definitely pretty cool. You know, it's cool just, you know, following your dream your whole career and collecting stuff as a kid and then pursuing that as an actual player is just cool. You know, you, you get to play in the arenas, you get to, you get, you get on the, t- you get on TV, you get on the cards, all the stuff that you had dreamed of, you you're living it. So it's just, it's all pretty cool. And for me, I never really let it get too much to my head because I didn't want to be too, too high on it mm-hmm. to, uh, to let it slip away. So I always just wanted to grasp on and, and not think too much. So for me, it wasn't really that big of a deal at, at a certain point. What about the video games? Did you ever see yourself in one of the NHL video games years later? Yeah. So what's funny now is I got two boys, uh, they're eight and five and they, uh, you know, it's, they, they, are constantly playing and they got to try to get me to score goals. And they put me on the first line with, with Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> you know, and, every, and every time I score, it's hilarious because it's not, I don't have too many goals in my career, but you know, but seeing myself score on there and they, and they crack up at dad's playing. It's, it's pretty cool. So basically your kids are still playing NHL 12, right? That's like 15. <laughs> <laughs> they like, stepped it up. They got fifteen. Yeah, yeah like no, we we can't get an HL twenty because oh, no, oh, yeah. roster. Yeah, I won't be on there unless you create a player or something. Oh yeah, that's true. They could do that, but wouldn't wouldn't be the same. I know one thing that my uh, podcast co-host wanted me to ask you is that he said that you're known for your training and your work ethic uh, during your career. How does training differ between, say, the U.S. national team? college hockey and pro hockey like maybe what are some of the differences in in those levels of training well there's different stages of your body type too at your ages so for us uh for me yes i did i came in i was uh, i took pride in in the strength department no matter what training camp i went to um no matter what camp i went to i always wanted to be number one and whether it was you know running uh, cardio strength lifting whatever like skating drills, I always wanted to become first, which majority of my career I was first in all training in every NHL camp I went to. But that's different for every level. At the U.S. national program, you're, uh, you know, you're 16, 17 years old. You're, develop- you're just starting to develop your muscles. You're, you're learning Olympic lifts. We're, we're getting strong. We're working out before games. It doesn't matter. It's all about development. Then going into college, it was, uh, you know, it's starting to become a business, and they care about wins and losses and championships and you know, you're more of like maintaining because you're a little bit older, but you can lift heavier, but you're doing it more maintenance throughout the year. And then going into professional career, you're, uh, you know, you're given the, uh, you're given all the tools, but it's kind of up to yourself. And yeah, we have team workouts, we have team lifts and there's uh, training camp, it's harder testing, but you know, it's, you come in, you should be in shape. If you're not in shape, then they're going to get rid of you. 
So it's all up to yourself. And I just always took pride in that. When I decided to when I decided to take over a training company when I was done, it was because I tested number one throughout all my career. And everybody asked me what I was doing. And I always did some outside the box of training stuff. Um, never worked with a trainer and said, if everyone else is doing this, I'm going to do it because I want to do it my way. So going into my business, I wanted to just give back and, and give the opportunity to kids to uh, to not train, let's say the right way, but train my way. So let's talk about that, the Michael S. Brown performance. So what does your company do and who are your clients and like what are the different sports that you train? Because I understand that it's not just necessarily hockey. I work for the the rink for Glacier Ice Arena mm-hmm. and I do their strength program. So I work with about 20 teams um, from from mites to midgets. And then the the outside stuff that I work with is, uh, you know, a couple teams will, will either go through Glacier and uh, I'll get, you know, the, the CYA team. I got a couple CYA teams that come in and there's a high school team that wants to train. And then on the outside of that, I, I teach, um, you know, private stuff. So if it's a small group, like I said, dating back to uh, the U.S. program where I learned how to box. I like boxing so much that I took a liking into like how to the methods that I was learning it from from this first step to uh, to the last step. So I like to teach uh, teach my kids how to, you know, how to throw a punch and. And not only not only for protection purposes, but actually for uh, you know it's a lot. It does a lot more. It does hand-eye coordination. It's cardio. It's um, it's core work, and um, it's speed. When I do this stuff, I mix in everything. I mix in my strength program. I mix in boxing skills and a little bit of everything. Your Facebook page about your uh, company also mentions at the end combat training available. Well, so those are the terms the- I use. That that's basically the terms I use because <laughs> I don't want to say hockey fighting available because yeah, we can do that. But I'm, I pretty much do everything. So I take the kids on the ice and I'll work with hand pads on the ice. If you want to just do uh, hand eye coordination off the ice, I'll take the noodles out and we can work on some hand, you know, grappling and mm-hmm. and throwing and it's I call it combat because it's more of like a, a generic, way of of working out. You know, I just want to ask like one other question about your career. Obviously, your first goal is pretty memorable. Your first game is pretty memorable. Your first fight is pretty memorable. Do you have maybe another hockey memory that was memorable to you? My playoff experiences were pretty memorable. And uh, San Jose, I mean, we were, uh, I mean, even Anaheim, we lost in game seven, second round against Detroit, you know, and playing in a, in a game seven game. It's just, you know, those are pretty cool times and knowing that you can you're going for the cup and uh, I think we should have actually won it they Anaheim won it the year before and that was the year I got traded to Anaheim and I was losing there you know it's kind of bitter moment but you know and then and then it goes back to uh San Jose when we're uh, when we were playing in LA in the first round of playoffs we're up three games to zero we end up losing four to three in the first round and LA goes and wins the cup but those playoff games were were special it was a cool time and then I know that all teammates are special, but do any teammates in particular stand out to you? Uh, maybe that you developed a friendship with, or that you just really enjoyed playing with during your career? Yeah, there's definitely a handful of players that stick out in my mind. Uh, one in particular, um, I like uh, Joe Thornton. He uh, he was a very honest, um, you know, stand-up guy, and uh, he started off in a uh, in a role similar to mine, and uh, and he took off and. and he, excellent player you know all-around player but he um you know he had the respect and a good relationship and we uh we still talked uh now to the day so a guy like that joe thornton and another one that sticks out in my mind is uh timo solani 
he just treated everybody with respect. He never uh, had a big head on his shoulders. Um, he treated a rookie like a veteran and um, just a super nice guy. My last question is, what is one piece of advice you'd like to give to young hockey players? Well, for me, it was, uh, you know, never give up, never say no. Um, you know, you, you don't have to be the best player on, on every team to succeed. You just have to play your part along with having fun. Um, you know, for me, it was just it was work hard and listen because those things go so far. Uh, with me coaching now, it makes even more sense because I would rather take a kid that listened and wanted to work harder and wanted to get the information than someone who has thinks they have all the information. Mike, well, thank you again for taking the time to talk with me and to share your memories about your career. Yeah, no problem. And thank you all for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I'm Sal Barry. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.